You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha, welcome. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys had a good one. Uh, I know ours was really fun. My son is three, my daughter's six. So I feel like we're just in the height of like amazement. Um, and my son's old enough now, like last year, you know how like when if you have kids, they graduate from just like liking the paper to like the box to then like understanding there's a gift or like even like, wow, that's a gift I wanted. So we're like growing in that. So this year was like super fun because all he wants is cars, but he at least knew we gave it to him. And he, anyway, anyway, it was awesome. So, but so good to be with you here on the last Sunday of the year, actually like the decade, which is kind of crazy, um, right? Like a new decade uh, next Sunday or next, next week. Um, but if you've been with us this last month, it's been a really sweet time just kind of camping out and celebrating the advent or the arrival of Christ our Savior, right? Leading up to Christmas, we did a few weeks looking at the impact the significance of Jesus coming and what that means and what that does for us and uh, such an important thing. So we camped out on that. And if you've been with us, you know that uh, we are starting a new book here in the new year, the book of Acts. So it's going to be awesome. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be getting into an intro and starting to dig through verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And we'll just make our way through it and really have no idea how long it's going to take. Probably like a lot of this year. Uh, we just like to take it slow. Exodus, we took kind of fast a little bit, like 18 chapters in a Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. But if you're here, you know that we, we uh, did a lot, but we're so excited to get into the book of Acts. But uh, one note is if you are in town or around or free next Sunday, we're going to be doing a Vision Sunday. Just a little bit like understanding more about as a church, why we do the things we do, what's important to us, kind of what we're feeling God doing um, Maybe specifically this next year or even this next couple years of like what we really feel like God has in store for us as a local expression here at Reality. So if you can make it next Sunday, um, we'd love to have you. But before we kind of jump into all that, um, I want to take advantage of the significance of our last Sunday worship gathering of the year. Um, and I want to allow the Holy Spirit and God's Word to speak to us as we just create some space to meet with Him and hear from Him, kind of just before we move on. It's real easy, like after Christmas, end of the year, it's like, okay, what's next year? Let's go. Um, but I want to just pause and allow the Holy Spirit through, his, through God's Word to speak to us. So uh, let's just pray um, for that this morning. <clears throat> God, we thank you that you lead us. You direct us, that you're God and we're not. We're not in control of our lives, even though we may want to be and attempt to. Sooner or later, we'll realize that we were not designed to do that. We were designed to follow our God, that you're supposed to lead our life, the entirety of it. So God, from your word this morning, we ask that we would really be reminded of this truth that our lives are no longer our own, that we've been bought with a price. So with our bodies, we're supposed to glorify God in all we do. So God, as we look forward 
to this new year, this new decade. We want that to be the foundation of our lives, that, that God, it's not, this isn't our decade, this isn't our year, this is yours. So have your way with us individually and corporately as a church. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys know this, at the turn of every year, usually because we have some downtime, maybe we aren't, you know, have a little time off from work or school or whatever it is, um, especially, you know, 2020, the end of the year, the end of a decade, a lot of times we assess our lives. We take stock. We have time to maybe just think, and we aren't just going, 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 and looking forward, but we actually think about, okay, there's like this chapter. There's this turning point, um, right? It's in all media everywhere. Like, what's your New Year's resolutions? What's it going to be? What are you going to change? What are you going to do differently? And it's usually the time, even if you're not into that, but at least somewhat, you, you try and start afresh or it's a new take on things. And January 1st, I'm going to do things in a different way. And what happens, probably for most, if not all of us, right, is that we start off real strong and we always fail. We don't, they don't last or what happens is, is you know, um, life is the same. Nothing else has changed. And so the normal rhythms and the normalcy, the pace of life just kind of erodes anything new. So a lot of times what happens. Um, but nonetheless, even though, you know, um, you know your, your new memberships at the gym or your diets or however new Year's resolutions you have, they, however they may fail, if they fail, hopefully they don't, hopefully you just go. I don't want to like say that they're going to, but let's just say that they all fail for a second, or they're, most of them will fail. I do think that this is a good opportunity, whether you're into those things or not, to pause, reflect, and think about this upcoming year, and most importantly, think about our own personal relationship with Jesus, like, we should pause, and we should dwell upon, and we should talk about how are me and Jesus doing? How have we been doing, and how might we adjust? I do think there's value in that. Again, all that other stuff, there's, there's, it's important. It's good for you. Like, like, be healthier. Be more fit. Be more active. Like, have more rest. Like, do those things, please. But if there's one thing that should, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, supersede all of those things that we should take a lot more effort on is our relationship and our union with God through Christ by the power of the Spirit. It's you and Jesus. Me and Jesus, it's you and Jesus. It's each of us and, and who Jesus is to us and how our relationship is with him. At least that's where it all needs to start. Going into 2020, that's the thing that should preoccupy and be most vivid in our minds, most important, is okay. How, how, how am I doing with Jesus? How's it going? Not, not church attendance, not how much you served, not how much you gave, not how good you are, but like a, a personal relationship with Jesus. Just as like you'd have a personal relationship with someone close to you. Right? That's what I'm talking about here. 
We need to start with that because throughout the year, throughout the next decade, throughout the entirety of life, that is the very thing and the only thing that will actually sustain us. It's the only thing that actually matters when everything else falls apart. And at the end of next year, at the end of the decade, and at the end of our life, it's the very thing we want to finish well with, that we were faithful to our God, that we stayed near to him, that we loved him and obeyed with him. Our walks, our relationships, our union with our God is the thing that we should be taking stock of. That's the thing that we should be caring about more than anything else. And if I could... um, offer a corporate New Year's resolution for us as a church. It would be really simple. It would be to love and follow Jesus more in 2020 than we did this year or any year before. Right? To know him, to listen, to obey, and to be used by him more than this past year perhaps than we ever have. Next year doesn't need to look like this one. It doesn't just have to be routine. It doesn't doesn't just have to look the same. And I believe with Jesus that it actually shouldn't. We should be constantly growing and changing and becoming more like him. It's not static. It's actually growing, or it should be. And I believe that God is just getting started into how he wants to meet us and use us as a local expression of the church. And as as incredible things, I believe corporately he wants to do with us. I really do. I really feel like God has some really neat, special, powerful, awesome things that he wants us as a church to be involved in to impact Hawaii for the gospel. I really do. But before any of that happens, outwardly, corporately, we would be amiss if we didn't first start with our hearts. If we just went outward and big and corporate, but we did not take stock and care for our own hearts, I believe that we would miss out on on the true work that God wants to do. This is a truth that is a part of our DNA as a church, and I believe God's heart, is that God always cares more about how we're doing our hearts way more than anything that we can do for him. God cares about you as a person way more than all the stuff that he uses you to do. Not to say that stuff isn't important, but what's most important to God is relationships relationship. See, that's everlasting. Evangelism, service, that's temporal to this world. Get to heaven, there's no evangelism. There's no service. There's just worship. This is a huge part of our DNA as a church, that God cares more about you than what you can do for him. And we believe, uh, just as A.W. Tozer uh, most famously said, that we are to be worshipers first and workers second. That's the posture of our individual hearts, that between us and God, we're worshipers. Then out of that, we become workers. And so our personal, individual relationship and union with Christ 
is most important, most important, excuse me, and needs to come first. It's where everything else flows and comes out of. And so if you're sitting here today, and if part of your New Year's resolution is to be a better friend, or to be a better son, or daughter, or better husband, a better wife, better mom, better dad, better auntie, better uncle, better grandma, grandpa, you fill in the blank. If, if a part of your New Year's resolution is, I want to be a better whatever you are to whoever that is. The way that happens, first and foremost, is for each of us, each of us, to love, obey, and be transformed by Christ. See, our own personal growth will affect others, and vice versa. Our lack of growth will also do the same. Our life does not happen in a bubble. Right? God made us to live amongst community and relationship and family and church. And the more like Jesus each of us are, the more like Jesus each of us will get. It's just what happens. But it first starts with our, with our own. We can't just go, you know what? I'm just going to love everybody better and do everything better, but I'm not even going to look at myself. I'm not going to be filled up. I'm not going to even assess myself. I'm just going to try harder. Or I'm going to do it for them, but I'm not going to care about me. It's the same idea in an airplane when you're hearing the um, safety briefing. And hey, if we lose cabin pressure, oxygen masks will drop. And what you're supposed to do if you have a kid is you're supposed to put it on yourself first, then the kid. I never understood that for a lot of years. I'm like, that seems so cruel. They're kids. They can't do it. But the whole point is if there's no oxygen... If you pass out, the kid's not going to be able to do it, so now both of you are passed out. The whole point is you need to put the oxygen mask first so that you're healthy enough and able enough to care for the child. Same thing with us and Jesus. You have to, we, I have to be filled up. I have to care for myself. I have to like ask God, God, what do you want to do with me before I can even help other people? Pour out and be a better husband, be a better father, be a better pastor, whatever it is. Do you fill in the blanks? The more like Jesus each of us become, the more like Jesus each of us get. So I believe as we're looking forward towards this new year, this new decade, that our greatest desire should be I want more of Jesus, right? Our greatest desire is, is, should be for God. God, I want your way. God, God, have your way with me. I want your best. Because let's be honest, God's ways are higher than ours ways, and, and they're better than our ways. We may think that we know best, but that's just not true. God knows best. And for all of us, what gets in the way for this happening normally it's either our own sin or it's sin that's been done to us, right? It's either our own dysfunction or the dysfunction of people in our lives and stuff gets in the way. Stuff messes with this and we get off track and all of a sudden we, we develop bad habits and old patterns and sin and selfishness 
And so this growth, this desired growth that God desires for us becomes short-circuited and bypassed and messed with and and all of a sudden, because of either our sin or someone else's sin or our dysfunction or maybe a pattern of decades of living not for God, when we hear this kind of stuff, we like are so avoidant to God's refinement. We're like, nope, I'm good. Like, I'm good. I don't want to be refined. I don't want to go through the hard stuff. God, I don't want to even, I don't even want to be open and vulnerable because I don't want to like go there. It's too hard. It's too, it's too scary. I'm too nervous of it. But church, if there's anything that can pray for us or, or desire for us or hope for us or exhort us in today is let's, let's not allow anything or anybody to rob us of the fullness of what God has. What we even may think is protecting us may actually be holding us back from experiencing all that God wants. Because if there's anything that I know is that humanity, we're really good at self-protection. We're really good at running from problems, not dealing with things, not going there. Avoidance is our strong suit. Especially for those of you maybe that grew up in a home that was less than perfect uh, something broken, dysfunction, lot there, you're really good at it. I know from personal experience. But when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden, we do the same thing. We are avoidant. We don't want to go there. We don't want God to, to work on that part of us. We don't want to deal with that issue. We want to leave that there. But guys, God wants all of us and he's a good father, and he's the great physician, and he's the caretaker of our hearts, and he desires for us to experience and know the fullness of who he is. So church, let's allow God to enter, yes, all the recesses of our hearts and lives. Let's hold nothing back, and let's allow our perfect, loving, holy father to help us to correct us, to encourage us, to love us, and to use us for our good and his glory. Amen? Someone in scripture that I think is a great example for us when it, when it comes to this sort of thing is, is Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, that wrote a lot of the New Testament. But the main reason being is that Paul's life was pretty messy, Oh, uh, that's being kind. It was, it was a mess. But, but he was willing to allow God to do the hard work in his own life because he was willing to surrender and, and, and he was willing to, to, for God on his behalf to have no limits and to do anything that he wished in his life. God, nothing's off limits. It's all yours. Do as you wish. Yep, I'm a mess. Yep, I'm broken. Yeah, I'm, I'm messy. But Paul was willing to do it. And because of that, God, there was no limit to the ways God used him to show the love of, the God, a love of God to a desperate world. Like, <laughs> 
Paul was as messy as it got, but there's almost no uh, comparing the fruit that came from the Apostle Paul's life because Paul was just willing to say, God, do what you wish. Do what you wish with this mess. Because if you know anything about Paul, Paul was as bad as it gets pre-Jesus. He was a persecutor of the church. He was a Christian killer. He was anti-Christ and his followers. And what happens, which we'll see in the book of Acts that we're going to be getting into, is he miraculously gives his life to Christ, and he's born again, and there's this, this fresh start. There's this fresh start that happens, and there's just change that starts happening in Paul's life. And he starts this journey, like all of us, you know, this just journey of what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does obeying and living for God look like? And here's why I believe that Paul is a helpful and relatable example for us, is that he was one of those Christians that was like really rough around the edges. We love, we love our brothers and sisters like this, but you know, like, wow, you love Jesus, but there's a lot of work to be done, right? Like just rough around the edges. And I'm being gracious when I say that, even talking about the apostle Paul. I mean, just from his letters that we have, he had a lot of issues. Uh, he was really proud. He, he was full of pride. He like was a know-it-all. Um, he may have had a short fuse, the list goes on. Like, Paul was like not, I don't know if you'd go up to Paul and be like, wow, this is a really nice guy. I don't think he'd say that. Maybe, maybe at certain moments, but he was a definite work in progress. Yes, a biblical character. Yes, the one that God used to spread the gospel to the entire world, pretty much. This is Paul. And also, Paul was very open with his struggles with sin. Romans 7 is all about the tension and the inner struggle between his sinful flesh and the Spirit of God. Not only do we pick it up in his writings, but he's very honest about his struggles. He, he struggled to obey God or, or just fall into temptation in his flesh. He would call himself the chief of sinners. Like, if you think you're bad, I'm worse. That's what he said. What Paul didn't do is he didn't pretend or hide the fact that he wasn't perfect. He was very transparent and very honest, and he wasn't fake or he didn't play games. This is a, this is a strength. Maybe sometimes in our culture, and our upbringing, or, or, or just life, like, wow, no, don't, don't show your weakness. No, don't tell, don't tell of your faults. It's actually a huge strength. So Paul not only was very transparent and honest and real with who he was, but also, and equally important, as difficult as it was, and as hard as it was for Paul, Paul was willing to put himself under the authority of Christ and allow him to do what he wished. In other words, Paul put himself under the scalpel of God to cut away all the junk all the sinful and selfish stuff that a life lived apart from Christ had built up. Like Paul was a mess when he came to Jesus, like many of us. And it wasn't this overnight transformation that everything, every detail was different. There was lots, but also there was a lot of work that over time God wanted to do in Paul's life. It's a process that you and I enter into. It's called sanctification. 
becoming more like Jesus over time after we give our life to him. See, Paul trusted and knew that God knew best for him. And even though Paul was struggled with pride, he struggled with knowing it all, when it came down to his own growth, he was humble enough to admit that he needed help. Like when it came to theological disputes and Judaism, like Paul was a, like, a, like a pit bull. He was proud. He was arrogant. Struggled with that. Needed some work. But when it came to his own growth, between him and Jesus, he said, I know nothing, God. I need everything. I'm a mess. He equally knew his faults and he was equally humble to allow God to work in his life. Friends, Reality Ohana. Can this please be us? Like, I am begging us that we would grow into this. Can we please be a church that's transparent and authentic and honest and not fake? Can we just not do that? Everyone knows we're not perfect. Everyone knows we're humans. Right? Can we... I would love if we were a church that just would... Be, be comfortable to admit our faults. We're open with our failures, but equally that we're a people that are willing to allow God to do the hard work of making us more like him. My prayer for us is that like Paul, we would put ourselves under the authority and care of our great physician, Jesus, and we allow him to cut away anything that is getting in the way of our own growth so that we can be more like Jesus as we interact with those around us. Because remember, it starts with our hearts. It starts with us. And there is incredible work that God wants to do in you and through you. But first, it, it takes coming to the operating table, so to speak. God, what, do you, what would you have? What's, what's messed up? What's, what's hurt? What's broken? What do I need to be healed? Like, what do I need to let go of? Like, Show me, tell me, you're in control. Do your will. And so for Paul and for us, I believe it starts with an attitude of the heart, right? Any, 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 any fruit, any cutting, any pruning, any refinement first comes from having a correct posture and positioning in the depth of who we are. And I think Paul alludes to this. He tells us this in his letters. Uh, it's verses like this that we have from Paul that shed light on the secret of his growth and walk with God. In, in, in Galatians 2.20, Paul speaking, he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In another one of his letters, he says this. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you what have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So here's the deal. The very foundation of Paul's life, 
he's very clearly stating, it's not, it's not a mystery, is that his life is no longer his own. This is not my life. This is not my will. This is not my year. This is not my decade. This is what he's saying here. Every detail of his life was laid upon this foundation. That's where he started. And that's essential to where we need to start as followers of Jesus. We have to go into 2020, this new decade, saying, God, my life's no longer your own. It's yours. It's not my plans. What do you want? How do you want to grow me? What do you want? How do you want me to change? What do you want to deal with with my own heart? And what this simply means, this statement that, you know, your life is no longer your own, very simply is we don't live for ourselves anymore. We don't live for others. We live to love, honor, and obey Jesus, first and foremost, and everything comes out of that. And due to that truth that we should be founded upon, everything we do should be done looking through that filter, so to speak. So we should be open-handed and present it all to God. God, have your way. Your will be done. I want your best, God. There's so many... um, People in each of our lives that God wants to use us to show himself to. And what's so cool is that each of us have a unique set of friends and coworkers and family that, that really no one else may have access to. And so God, by his design, desires to use each of us in our certain sphere or context God wants to use us to show the love of God to those people, right? That's our stranger or our spouse. That's our coworker or your kid. That's your classmate or your friend. But again, where it all starts is our own hearts. It's our own growth. It's our own willingness to allow God to move. Um, There's some of you in here that I know this is true of. Uh, maybe, maybe a lot of us, we fear or, or even hate change. Like what gives us security looking into the new year is being able to have our perfect routine and our perfect rhythms and our schedule. And like when all those are right, it brings us comfort and security, and we just can't wait for this new year to get our rhythms and routines and schedules in order because everything in the world will be right. Right? If we have control, if the calendar's good, if nothing changes from the plan, it's all calculated, nothing gets in the way. But life does. Everything does, actually. But there may be some of us here that when it comes to Jesus wanting to change us, We may have trouble, like, grasping, like, what's going to change? How is it going to change? And even just the fear or the hatred of change might stop us from this process or might short-circuit it a little bit. But I want to remind us that our schedules or our routine or the amount of control that we feel like we have in our lives was never the thing that was supposed to bring us peace and comfort and joy. God is. God, when all of life changes, 
We can count on God being our rock and our comfort and our source of security and peace. So, the quicker we can accept walking with Jesus as a proper adventure, the better. If you truly walk with Jesus, and you love him, and you obey him, and you just say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's going to be more like a Lord of the Rings novel than like some boring, mundane, same chapter, can't wait to not read this book anymore. Again, some of you I know that don't like change, it's like, wow, what are you saying? But if you read any part of scripture and any person in it, it's a wild ride with Jesus. Uh, Change is hard. Uh, I had to learn early on change. Maybe it's not that early, but uh, right after high school, like six days after high school, me and two buddies went to Europe for like two months alone. With, uh, it actually ended up being amazing. That's part of the story. I'll end it right there. But um, we had like no money, not a lot, no plans. We just had a backpack on our back and like this pass that like allowed us to travel Europe on any train as much as we could. It was like the most amazing thing ever. But, you know, traveling in groups or with others is really difficult if you've ever done it. Like relationships end over it. Like, this is, this is hard, but it's even increasingly hard if you're 18, don't know what you're doing, have no plans, have no money in summer in Europe. <laughs> the amount of times that we slept, like, weird places, because there was no room, like train station step in Venice, a park in Sweden, like, literally ate whatever. It was bad, but we were 18, so we didn't really care. But the quicker we just admitted, like, yeah, we just have to be okay with rolling with the punches, that change is normal, and that change can actually turn out for the better than expected, because we didn't have any of this, like, planned, but we ended up going to, like, 10 countries, bungee jumping in Switzerland, running with the bulls in Spain, driving, like, 175 miles an hour on the Autobahn. I know. We, I shouldn't be alive. Um, just... It turned out to be this amazing trip because, like, the first weekend, we're like, okay, nothing's going to work. We just have to be okay that whatever story is, whatever happens, happens, and it's the right thing. So we get to the train stations and look at the board, and, I mean, there's literally every train station in Europe, and be like, well, what's the next one? Let's just do that. When we, when we, when we had it in our minds that we were just, we should be okay with change, we should let go of control, that we should allow it to play out as it played out. That's when it became the most enjoyable and fruitful and fun. So again, that's a silly story. But it's the same with our own growth and our own story. Right? This applies to 2020, this next decade, and, this, and for eternity. You can take that to the bank that God is in control. He's sovereign. He is the author of our story, and he knows what's best. He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for me, for your spouse, for your kids, for your work, for your next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of your life. He knows what's best. How? how how it ends up being bad is us not allowing God to do what he wants to do. 
right? It's us getting in the way, us not us pushing it back. It's him, of, it's us avoiding the deep work that he wants to do in our own lives. And so this message is for us personally and individually, but each of us isn't alone in it. For those of us that have believed and received Jesus, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's role is to give God glory. And the greatest way that God can be given glory is through our own personal refinement. I know, I wish it was something different. But it's us becoming more like Jesus. Because when that happens... The more we become like Jesus, the more Jesus everyone else around us gets. The Holy Spirit's role is the one to strip the ugly stuff out of our life. He helps our pain. He heals our heart. He repairs us. He makes us more like himself. And I will end with a picture or vision of what Paul said to the people of God, said that the people of God could be. This is Paul saying to the church in Colossae, this is how you were designed as the people of God. This is how you are to function. This is what, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live into. In church, I I say this in a way of praying for us, but let's read this, and then let's ask God to do it before we end our time in worship. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ richly dwell among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. God, thank you that you know what's best. Thank you that you desire our whole hearts that you care about like our pain and our hurt and those like deep wounds or those deep places in our heart that we don't even want to think about, let alone talk about, let alone deal with. Thank you that you care about them and you desire them to be healed and whole and right again. And so God, I pray for each of us that we would be a people that are willing to do the hard work of allowing you to work on those areas. God, we don't want to function out of uh, maybe dysfunction or maybe the effects of sin or, or maybe our old self or maybe just like there's still junk, there's still stuff. God, we ask that you would cut that stuff away, that we would become more like you. God, we... 
God, as Christians, by, by name, by definition, we're calling ourselves little Christs. We're calling ourselves Christ's followers, that our life should look like Christ. But thank you, God, there's a lot of grace in that. You had so much grace on your son, Paul, <laughs> that we don't have to have it all together, and we will for sure mess up and struggle. But thank you, in the midst of that, you desire to meet us where we're at. Thank you that we're all works in progress, that actually the first step of growing is admitting that we're not perfect. So God, we want to grow in that. Would you, would you help this church, our, our Ohana groups, our small groups, our friendships, to be a place of transparency and, uh, and, and we feel comfortable to be real and honest and vulnerable so that we can support and pray and encourage one another. We pray that, um, that we grow in that this year, but God, we want to start with our own hearts as we worship you now. Um, pray this in Jesus' name, amen.